Alright. Okay. I think I got it figured out now. Yeah, I think I figured out the problem. Okay. Alright. So, here it is. Was not planning on doing this. But some other people out in the world had other plans, I guess. So. Uh, today's been quite the fucking day. Like I said, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I wasn't planning on waking up this morning, uh, checking out my phone, and seeing images of Russian tanks, jets, uh, rotary wing, etc. Flying over Kiev, Kharkiv, and several other uh, Ukrainian cities. So, uh, yeah. The show is on. And part of me is honestly kind of conflicted about it. I mean, shit. For the longest time, I also didn't think this was going to happen. I mean, I knew the possibility was there, and part of me thought maybe it could happen. But, uh, yeah. Did not expect things to go the way they did today. <clears throat> so, last night, I went to bed. And one of the last little news things I saw on my phone as I was going to bed was that uh, there was shelling in eastern Ukraine uh, around the Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Uh, the Ukrainians were saying the separatists and the Russians were doing it. The separatists were saying the Ukrainians were doing it. So just uh, usual shit. Just the two sides breaking the ceasefire again for like the thousandth time since 2014. For anyone unaware, yes, this has been going on since 2014, since the Maidan revolution in Kiev. Overthrowing the former president of Ukraine, I can't remember his fucking name, as it is right now. And installing the new regime there. But, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely still some questions yet to be answered. I feel like I don't fully understand the reasoning behind this. I'm trying to, trying to get some perspective on it, and it's not really. I just don't. I just don't understand why Putin feels he needs to do what he's currently doing. And for the longest time, I felt I understood, at least in part, the Russian position on all this. That they felt threatened by the encroachment of NATO. 
perfectly understandable in my opinion because back when the Cold War was ending, there was an agreement between NATO and the new Russian Federation that NATO was not going to push any further east than they already were. And where they were at the time was Germany. Can't remember if Czechoslovakia was part of that or not. I think I want to say they were. So Germany, Czechoslovakia, Italy, that was about as far that was about as far east as they were. And Norway, which does share a border with Russia. <clears throat> a lot of people forget that Russia, uh, Russia and Norway do share a border in the very far north of the Scandina Scandinavia. But uh, yeah, and NATO has spent the better part of thirty years uh, breaking that deal, incorporating several other European countries, including Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. And speaking of Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, they also share a border with Russia. So the argument can be made there, yeah, you have uh, NATO countries on the Russian border, a organization that was formed to put a stop to Soviet expansion. And since the Soviet Union has fallen, has adopted the stance of uh, stopping any kind of Russian influence. So when Putin, what I've always heard him say, when Putin would always talk about being encroached upon by NATO and Europe and the West, it, that part made sense to me. Like, I get it. And it's kind of like the double standard that exists. Like, the United States can go all to these different countries, basically do whatever they want, with virtually no consequences with the international community. But if Russia tries to, like they did in uh, Chechnya, like they did in Georgia, then all kinds of shit gets thrown their way. So there was that double standard, that that uh, hypocrisy. Not, I'm not a fan of Putin. I'm not a fan of the Kremlin or the Russian government. I got nothing against the Russian people. And unfortunately, the way this whole situation is working out is uh, they're getting shafted just as hard as the Ukrainians are. And the rest of us are going to get shafted as well. We're not going to get out of this unscathed, anybody. This will, this is having and will continue to have global consequences. Now saying that, I'm not saying World War III is about to start. Let's fucking smash that bug right now. Uh, things are not looking good, but it's not fucking World War III. We're, I hope that we are very, very far away from that. <clears throat> and I hope that never actually comes so yeah uh fuck
But yeah, if you've been paying attention to the news at all today, uh, 24th of February 2022, Russian ground forces and uh, air forces have crossed the border, both from Russia and Belarus, into Ukraine. They have advanced from the south, from the Crimean Peninsula, uh, from the north, from Belarus, from the northeast, from Russia. And there's been some fighting that I've heard about in the separatist regions of Donetsk and Luhansk. But yeah, if you're in Ukraine right now, I mean, th this show's brand new. It, it, I don't, it barely has any listeners. I, I've seen one <laughs> listener listen to the last episode. So uh, thank you for the one listener. <laughs> That's better than uh, the zero there was before. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But yeah, to anyone and everyone that is in Ukraine or around Ukraine, I... This is a shitty situation, and unfortunately, because of how far it's gone, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Hopefully, it does get better. But, uh, yeah. So, back to what I was saying when I first started this. So, uh, I got up this morning, I saw those images, I, I started watching a live stream from a YouTuber that I follow. And, I, I think it's... I think it's sad that I can watch a live stream from a gaming YouTuber and get more up-to-date and accurate and unbiased news about a developing situation than I can from probably about 90%, if not like 99.9% .9 of uh, main, well, mainstream media. I think it, it, it's just another nail in the coffin of how far the media has fallen in the last several years. But that's another discussion that I'm not going to get into right now. So, if you're listening to this, you've probably listened to a bunch of other things. You're probably not going to hear much different from what I'm going to talk about a little for a little bit. I do have, uh, I've been in touch with my, uh, my buddies, uh, that are still in and a couple that I've gotten out and I've been trying to have them update me on whatever their plans are for the units that they're with. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name units. I'm not going to say, uh, who's going where. Cause I honestly don't know. As far as I know, I mean, I think Biden, uh, I think Biden said this morning sometime that uh, 3,000 more additional troops from the 82nd Airborne are going to go to Poland. That's, as far as like official news for troop movements, that's all I know. Uh, 
as far as the like, unofficial stuff, the only stuff I actually feel comfortable saying is that if I think the media is still denying it, I mean, I haven't heard any update about that today. I think the media is still denying that saying there are no U.S. troops in Ukraine. That that's that's just simply not true. There are U.S. troops in Ukraine now. They're not there to engage in combat with Russian ground forces or air forces or whatever. That's not what they're there for. They've been there for some time, been there for years. I guarantee you Russia knows about them. But they are there. And I, watching the news and listening to the news today, while I'm technically at work, trying to focus on that and trying to stay up to date on the happenings, thinking about, thinking about the time that I spent in, thinking about the guys that I was with. Thinking about those of us that got out, thinking about those of us that either stayed in or uh, got back in soon after. And my feelings on the situation as it is right now boil down to this: like, one, I don't, I don't want to get called back. Not saying I won't fight if I have to, but I, I, I don't want to get called back. And more than that, I don't want to see guys that I know or my extended, honestly, the people that since I've been in and gotten out, people that I call my brothers and sisters, the mothers and daughters and husbands and sons, fathers. I don't want to see them go six, 7,000 miles away and die and get another bullshit war. Because this is a bullshit war. This should not be happening right now. At least from my standpoint, at least for once, the U.S. isn't the one starting it. I honestly have no idea what the fuck Putin was thinking. Uh, last night, whenever or whenever he gave these orders, these orders probably came down a, a couple days ago. Knowing what I know of uh, military timelines, these orders have probably been going down for shit, maybe as long as a week, if not more. I don't fucking know. So I guess you could say. U.S. security intelligence actually got something right when they were talking about imminent invasion. Hate to hate to fucking admit it, but I guess they were right about something for once. But yeah, so. 
what has happened thus far, what has happened on this is, for those of you that don't know, D-Day, that is the, D-Day is kind of like the code name for the day an operation starts. I mean, that's U.S. military jargon. I don't know what they call it in Russia. Day zero or whatever the fuck. I don't speak Russian. But yeah, so this is technically D-Day for the Russian operations in, inside Ukraine. <clears throat> and what have they accomplished? I'm not exactly sure what started. I guess it started with the shelling uh, last night as I was going to bed. I guess that was part of it. I didn't know it at the time, but I guess that was part of it. So shelling started uh, from the Russian side of the border. I think there was, I think there was a half-ass attempt by the uh, Russian media to stage a false flag that the Ukrainians were uh, shelling inside Russia. Uh, pretty confident that that's bullshit. So shelling, uh, rocket attacks, missiles, cruise missiles. I saw some videos of cruise missiles being used, uh, primary targets, uh, air bases and airports. Specifically, outside Kharkiv, Kiev, pulling up a map of Ukraine here so I can actually see what's going on. Uh, Nipro, uh, I heard. I think this happened later in the day, but uh, Odessa got hit. Uh, Mariupol. And if anybody listening wants to follow along, just pull up a map of Ukraine. I'm not gonna spend 30 minutes trying to describe every detail of uh, Ukrainian geography. Just encourage you to pull up a map and check out these places that I'm naming off. But yeah, it seemed like the primary targets were air bases and airports. Uh, initial moves by the Russian ground forces. I'm not sure if it started in the north or in the south. Either way, we'll, we'll start from the south and work our way up. Okay, so Russian ground forces advanced from the Crimea Peninsula, uh, securing bridges linking the Crimea, linking Crimea to mainland Ukraine. As I sure how, like what order, where they did it in. Yeah, they secured the isthmus. Uh, I don't know if they conducted amphibious landings or they just started steamrolling shit. They secured the bridge. Uh, the bridge is around Henichesk. I don't speak Ukrainian. Don't judge me too hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the secure bridges down there. Shelling continues, missile attacks continue, rockets continue, and all right, I don't know the exact rationale behind going after the airports and the air bases. Thinking about it from a strategic 
uh, military standpoint, I I get it. And looking at it from a purely military analytical point of view, Russia right now is doing a lot of things right, or they have done a lot of things right today. In or in in terms of like invading a country, I'm not saying I agree with it, but yeah, securing bridges, giving them access to Ukrainian heartland. And denying the uh, limiting the options for counterattack by Ukrainian armed forces. But so, yeah, that, that, that makes sense to me. And going after the air bases and the airports also makes sense to me for a couple of reasons. One, trying to make sure whatever air forces the Ukrainian military has, I'm not sure what they got. I don't think they have a whole lot. Uh, they definitely don't now. Uh, make sure that though any any of those kind of air assets stay grounded. And by taking out those targets, it also limits or just denies any kind of resupply supplies or reinforcements coming in from it could be uh, just just speculation from parts of western ukraine uh fast redeployment of forces it denies that it denies the quick uh, deployment of any nato or eu troops to ukraine to eastern uh, ukraine and if they're after some kind of high value targets and this is something I've been thinking about. If they're after any kind of high value targets in the Ukrainian administration, then that limits their access to escape. It forces them to use a uh, ground extract, which can be, which takes longer. So higher chance of actually catching up to them. And the big move as far as that goes though, is uh, they've seized an airport just northwest of the Ukraine capital, Kiev. Which I don't remember the name of the damn airport. Hostomel. Yeah, Hostomel Airport. Like I said, just northwest of, northwest of Kiev. Uh, as far as I know, that was shelled by rockets, missiles, etc. as well. And quickly followed up some point, so some point later in the morning by an air assault with uh, rotary wing assets, Russian paratroopers and helicopters coming down from shit, probably, Belar probably from Belarus, looking at the map. Uh, flying low. The videos that I've seen, they're flying low, flying fast over the water, which is smart. Makes it a lot harder for uh, any kind of anti-air to lock onto you. And the videos I've seen, the uh, Ukrainian surface air missiles were shot at the helicopters. Uh, if I think one, at least one, maybe two, 
or more of the helicopters did go down over the Kiev Reservoir, which is just north of the city. But most of them got through. And they touched down the airport uh, very quickly from, as far as I can tell, within like a couple hours. They secured the airport, uh, established defensive positions. And honestly, when I first heard about it, I fully expected them. was like, okay, paratroopers on the ground, airport secured. They're going to bring in bigger planes or bigger helicopters, whatever. And they're going to land more troops plus uh, heavier equipment. Uh, I don't know if they actually did do that. I haven't heard anything about that. But, uh, yeah. That's what I would expect. Doesn't really... And then they grew up there and then push out probably straight to Kiev. That's what I would that's what I would expect. That's honestly what I would do. But as far as I know, they haven't moved. Part of it because the Ukrainian military did assemble outside of Kiev and and uh, this afternoon conducted a counterattack. To my knowledge, they have not there they haven't retaken the airport. Uh, Russian paratroopers are holding their ground. But yeah. Uh, the only other reason, aside from an insert point deep in enemy territory, is that they are denying use of that airport to Ukrainian troops or Ukrainian government officials. I don't know. The, the most sinister... The most sinister idea that come that's coming to my mind... Is that they there's certain people that Putin and the Russian high command does not want to get away so they're doing everything in their power to make sure they don't get away and I think recently I'll say it right now I'm not a fan of the BBC I'm not a fan of them at all but their live updates generally are pretty good and on one of their live updates they came on and said the Ukrainian president came on and said that the Russians want to liquidate him I mean you don't have to imagine too hard to figure out what that means and honestly it's not outside of the realm of possibility Said in the video address, they want to destroy Ukraine politically by liquidating the head of state. The enemy has designated me as a target number one and my family as target number two. Hmm. I mean, Russians, when it comes to war, Russians don't give a shit. They'll go after anyone and everyone they see as a target. They see as a potential threat. And they will execute that threat with extreme prejudice and then some just to make sure it's never going to come back to haunt them. <laughs> Alright. Apart from the air assault, which that was probably the biggest move uh, Russia made today. Uh, going back to the south uh, in the area just north of the Crimea Peninsula, as far as I can tell, Russians made pretty big moves. Basically securing that whole landmass south of the Kakovka Reservoir. 
as far as I know, they've secured that, or most of it, from what was the name of that city? Melitopol in the east, and I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've made it to Kherson. I think they've crossed bridges there and are either fighting in Kherson or they secured Kherson with the potential to go all the way to Mykolaiv. I think. Not sure. I don't know. But that's the biggest single area of territorial gain that I've heard about that the Russians have made. In the Northwest, I know the Russians pushed hard from across from on their side of the border, uh, Belgorod. They're pushing hard towards Kharkiv. I think they're in Kharkiv. I don't know if they secure Kharkiv yet. I mean, the shitty thing about doing this right now is that the situation is still developing, and it's 9:20 where I'm at right now. And I think in a couple hours, or maybe it's already happened, the sun's about to come up in Ukraine. So they're entering. They're entering day two. But uh, yeah, situation's still developing. This is just what I know, what I've heard, seen today. Uh, yeah. So they're pushing towards Kharkiv. I think they're in Kharkiv. I heard about fighting near Sumy, which is. North, north, northwest to Kharkiv, again close to the Russian border. I think they secured that. The Russians secured that. I'm not sure. Uh, going back to the uh, Belarus uh, Ukrainian border. They pushed south from there. Uh, they've. I don't think they've gone very far, which, when you look at the terrain of it, is understandable. It's not very good terrain to advance through. I don't know. Honestly, don't know why they're doing it. Unless they're trying to get down the roads, and they got blocked on the roads. A lot of woods, a lot of forest, and then you have the. Uh, Chernobyl is right there. That should perk up a couple of years. Yeah, Chernobyl, the site of that nuclear disaster. Back in the 80s, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was the 80s. Yeah. They've secured Chernobyl. I know that. I don't think they've gotten very far past it, though. If they've gotten past it at all. I just know they secured that. And that's only... Honestly, that's only a few... Maybe 10 clicks. 10 kilometers. Uh, about... Somewhere around 5 miles or so. Inside. Inside the Ukrainian border. It's not very far. So... For the most part, the northern advance hasn't hasn't done a whole lot. The southern advance has. I'm not exactly sure why or how. You think southern coming from Crimea, Crimea, just looking at it, like 
it, it, it's choke points galore. You got to go through a small isthmus. I mean, if that was fortified, obviously it wasn't fortified very well. And then just long causeways and bridges, which are like, I mean, I wouldn't push. I wouldn't want to push across the fucking causeway under fire. Absolutely not. I've heard reports that of amphibious landings. I haven't seen anything to confirm that, though. I mean, shit, I heard about allegedly Russians were landing in Odessa. But immediately after those reports were heard, there was a live stream from the city of Odessa, and it was those people walking around, fucking just going about their day. But that was early, that was early in the morning, and, uh, Sirens started going off, and uh, police were running around telling people to go home, stay indoors. And uh, I think not too long after that, it started coming under fire from uh, missiles and rockets. I'm not sure if that's from the, the I'm not sure if that's from the Black Sea Fleet <clears throat> or from Crimea. Either way, honestly, when you look at it, Crimea is not too far away, so it's very reasonable to. To see a possible uh, missile or rocket attack from Crimea, and especially if they've secured that that piece of the Ukrainian mainland just north of Crimea, and that's even fucking closer. So, yeah. Oh boy. Uh, unfortunately, one I had I had to go to class and actually do my fucking do my fucking schoolwork, so I, I couldn't stay as up to date as I wanted to, and then the news started to pitter off because it was uh, nighttime in Ukraine, which, if you have any understanding of modern warfare at all, this is in 1850, this ain't, the sun goes down, it gets dark, armies can't fight because they can't see, that's, that's not a thing anymore. And especially in the Marine Corps, Marine Corps like to say like, oh, we own the night. I mean, I know spec ops and shit like to say that too, but the Marine Corps really tries to, at least in my unit where I was at, we did a lot of shit at night. A lot, a lot of shit at night. You could say for a lot of our like big exercises, a lot of our big exercises, we, we did more at night than we did, than we ever did during the day. So... Yeah, so things are going on at night. The Russian troops, if they are able, are still advancing at night. And I guarantee, and I mean, I mean, they don't have as much gear and kit as uh, we do. Uh, I know the Russian infantry squads, uh, even though there has been a big overhaul of the Russian infantry in recent years, uh, the Ratnik program, which is basically trying to bring the Russian infantry squad from 1990 into like 2010 at least uh, there's been big moves there but I don't think it's gotten rolled out to everybody and as far as I know it's about 150,000 plus uh, ground forces involved in what's going on right now so there's, there's, I don't think it's gotten around to everybody uh, weapons I've seen in the hands of Russia was uh, AK-74s uh, Dragonovs, uh, PKMs, 
RPK-74. Yeah, yeah. On most of them, I'm not seeing optics. Obviously, like a Dragonov. Anybody knows what a Dragonov is? That's the Russian sniper. Or it's the Russian designated marksman rifle, DM rifle, DMR. Uh, yeah. So obviously, optics for those. But a lot of the AKs that I've seen in the pictures and the videos, uh, they're they're not. They don't have optics on most of them. So yeah. So. Capabilities uh, are limited still with the Russian infantry. Doesn't mean they can't do anything, and I guarantee you they are. Especially now that the sun's about to come up. Anybody that spent any time in the military will tell you that if you're doing operations, say the sun comes up at six o'clock, you you commence operations. If not at two o'clock, at the very latest three, like like you're probably awake at like one. Or 1.30 and you're gonna start moving around 3 and you're at the departure line by 4 so yeah not a whole lot of sleep but yeah, it, it takes a lot to uh, get shit rolling but yeah anyway so just cause the news cycle kind of calmed down a little bit does not mean the advance has stopped i guarantee you they're still rolling somewhere doing something uh, i'm sure the boogeyman uh spetsnaz are out there doing something shady uh fuck I know a lot, basically, a lot of today has been world leaders. As far as the international community, it's been world leaders condemning what's happened, rightfully so. Because again, I, I don't understand what was going through Putin's head. When he made this, when he made these decisions, I don't understand at all. I hear a clicking noise. That's just my mouse because my laptop's right here in my face. Because I'm just looking at shit, staying up to date, just making sure I know what's going on. Unfortunately, my sources aren't. greatest okay there's a fucking okay there's a video here apparently of Russian Russians in Sumi engaging with civilians which is fucking wild I mean, uh, that was kind of a cool thing to happen. Well, it's not cool because the situation fucking blows. But the uh, Ukrainian government, uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky, said, hey, we're giving out weapons to anybody that wants them. Basically trying to arm 
the uh, trying to arm the Ukrainian people. Which just opens up a whole new fucking can of worms that the Russians got to deal with. Because insurgencies, you can ask the United States military, are not fucking fun. And if that's potentially what they're going to go to, if they try to push any further into Ukraine, which I, I guarantee they're going to do. They've, they've gone balls to the wall for this one. They're not fucking stopping halfway. At least I don't think so. <clears throat> It's just a fucking shit show. I really do feel for the Ukrainian people. I really do. Like, I, w I wouldn't wish this shit on anybody. And like a lot of other people have been saying, I feel sorry for the Russian people that are really being dragged into this. I think a lot of them are staying quiet about it. I mean, they they, they know what's going to happen if they try to force it. If Putin said as much, like any talk against Russia, the motherland is going to be dealt with. Any actions by foreign powers in Ukraine or around Russia are is going to be dealt with like he's throwing down the fucking gauntlet he's throwing it down with a big old fucking smack and it's just i you don't expect to see it from the putin that i've seen on the world stage for the last for for several years now it's been stone-faced cold hard calculating expressionless world leader like guy you just you you look at him and you know he's seen some shit done some shit and like, you don't want to fuck with him i saw a very different putin today in the videos and pictures that i've seen he does not look calm and collected at all he looks fucking pissed i don't know why exactly but i the only thing i think of is he's just done with all the shit He's going all in. And I think the best way to stop this, and the only way to stop this, is it has it has to happen inside Russia. Something has to happen inside Russia for this to fucking end. And there are Russians trying to put a stop to this. So, uh, Anti-war protests around the country, but the Russian state has cracked down hard on them. Uh, BBC reports minimum, I would say, 700 arrests related to those uh, protests. Minimum, I would say. I guarantee you that number's gone up. As 
as of right now, seeing explosions in and around Kiev. Uh, Russian jet uh, allegedly shot down over Kiev. I think they're pushing hard for Kiev, and I kind of understand why. I mean, obvious enemy capital, you want to capture that as soon as possible, at least. Uh, it's not really a thing in modern war. I think it's the strategic location that Kiev is, uh, roads going in and out of Kiev. It's a crossing point between two major water sources, the uh, Kiev Reservoir in the north and the uh, Kaniv or Karniv Reservoir in the south. Yeah, so... Uh, overall goals, what what was Russia trying to do right now? I honestly am not sure. I mean, looking at Ukrainian geography, if if they're trying to secure the eastern half of Ukraine and get the Donetsk and Luhansk regions that they've that the Russians have recognized as independent states and secure those and get those incorporated into the Russian Federation. then I can see them trying to form a line through those water sources that basically go through the middle of Ukraine from Chernobyl in the north down to Kiev all the way down to Dnipro and then out to the Black Sea I don't think that's what they're doing, though. Like they, they're, I think they're going further than that. I don't know. I honestly do not know. All I know is what I've seen, and unfortunately, especially late this afternoon, I haven't seen a whole lot. I've just seen videos of tanks, jets. Uh, missiles, one or two firefights, a few dead bodies. I've talked to, like I said earlier, I've talked to my buddies that are still in. And again, I don't know anything about troop movements. If I did, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna say anything. Uh, OPSEC and all that. In the military, you get it. If not, then just understand talking about broadcasting troop movements is uh, it's frowned upon. We'll say that. So I'm not going to talk about that, even even if I knew, which I don't. And like I said, I'm not going to name names or units that they're with or whatever. Uh, one a nice thing that happened today is when I was talking to one of my guys that's still in. It, uh, he's in the army now. He got out of the Marines, went to the army. Uh, he said he's going to use the PowerPoints that I made for armor identification. And if you know what armor identification is, it's basically, well, at least for me, it was the bread and butter of being an O352, being anti-tank missileman. Being able to look at and identify uh, vehicles 
whether they're friendly or hostile, uh, knowing what they are, what the capabilities are, that that's a big that's a big thing being O three fifty two. And going through the schoolhouse, a lot of the powerpoints they showed us were really out of date. It, even the, the instructors even knew they were out of date, but that's what they had, so that's what they showed us. So I went through. Uh, once I got into the fleet and I started coming up to a leadership position, I'm like, we haven't really done is, is arm ID is just not a big thing in the fleet. At least not the unit I was at. It was never really. It was kind of just the thing you expected to know, which, which is fine. You should know it as a 52, but you got to practice it as well. And you got to stay up to date with any kind of new developments with vehicles, this, that, or the fucking other. Uh, so I did a bunch of research, uh, a bunch of different websites, found a bunch of different vehicles, vehicles that were, uh, were currently being used, uh, including for a bunch of different countries. I did for uh, I did for China, I did for Russia, uh, fucking North Korea. Iran, basically all the uh, quote-unquote uh, threat nations, any any nation potentially hostile to the U.S. Uh, and then I went through and I did all the allies as well. It, it's not just important to know like what the enemy vehicles look like. You gotta know what the friendly ones look like too. Uh, the worst stories you hear as a as a you coming out through the schoolhouse are the stories of. Uh, a guy misidentifying a friendly vehicle as an enemy vehicle, and then a and then a blue on boot blue action occurs, uh, basically friendly fire, and a lot of guys die needlessly because some dumbass fucked up and couldn't couldn't properly identify a friendly vehicle from a hostile one. So yeah, it's important to know both of those things, and. But yeah, he told me he's going to use those powerpoints that I made that I gave him, and I I gave the I gave to I gave those out to almost everybody as I was getting out, along with all the other knowledge that I'd uh, accumulated over the uh, three plus years that I was actually with my unit. So that was that was kind of nice to hear that something I did is continuing to be used. Just the it's just a nice little pick me up. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I just been I've, been I've been thinking about them a lot today, and honestly, I'm conflicted. It's like you, you feel the urge to like want to go and like stand with them and make sure they get through this thing okay, but that's that's a little. I mean, I mean, I know it's preemptive. My rational mind knows that's preemptive. Because, uh... So far, the United States is involved. Nor do I think we should get involved. I really don't. Doesn't mean I agree with what's going on. I th but I do think at least part of this mess is the result of actions by the United States, and that's getting into... A lot. I'm not afraid. I'll get into some of it here, but going back to 2014, Maidan Revolution in Kiev. Honestly, that's 
this isn't a popular thing to say either. It's, it's uh, kind of questionable. Uh, what was going on there at that time? Uh, reports from sources that I trust. CIA was in Ukraine. They were on the ground in Kiev. Uh, either inciting or controlling events. around that revolution which resulted in the ousting of from my understanding and a lot of people said that the elections leading up to that revolution were illegitimate that that was an incredible amount of fraud I've heard things to the contrary as well that it was actually pretty clean and the results were pretty legitimate It's just that some people in Ukraine didn't like the idea of getting closer to Russia instead of closer to the EU and NATO specifically. So yeah, there's a big big question mark over all that. And Russia has understandably cited that as a Costas belly. But speaking of Casas Belli, uh, apparently the speech Putin gave yesterday, before all this started, I mean, he went he went through the list and he went through the rational bits that I feel like I understood, NATO encroachment, and the questionable legality of the events in Kiev back in 2014. I mean, you, you can kind of get that, I feel like. I'm not saying I agree with his reasoning, but yeah. And uh, then he, I haven't listened to the whole speech, just I've, I've heard parts of it. But he went into a rant against the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. If you don't know what that is, the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. Uh, 1917 is what ended the war between what was then the Russian Empire well not even then it wasn't the Russian Empire then it was turning into it was in the process of turning into the Soviet Union the Bolsheviks had taken power And Lenin and Trotsky uh, signed a treaty with uh, Kaiser Wilhelm of Wilhelm II of Germany and the German High Command, ceding a bunch of Russian territory to the German Empire, ending hostilities. So the Germans can now ship their troops. Like I think, like it was like sixty plus divisions. Uh, that they shipped from the Eastern Front to the Western Front. Uh, that's getting into another history discussion that I'm not going to get into right now. But yeah, uh, a lot of territory was seized by the German Empire. And that allowed, but the peace treaty allowed uh, the Bolsheviks and Soviets to concentrate their efforts on securing, securing their power and fighting the...
fighting the opposition forces to their power. Uh, the White Army. Uh, nothing. This is uh, applicable to Ukraine as well. The Black Army. In Ukraine, uh, the Black Army, not a lot of people know about it, not a lot of people talk about it, uh, is an is a group of anarchists that were in Ukraine that with the in the power vacuum with the collapse of the regime of Tsar Nicholas and the end of the Russian Empire they they saw an opportunity to try and uh, have Ukraine be a free anarcho state which is kind of a contradiction in terms, but I don't really know how else to describe it. Uh, they got very quickly trounced by both the red and white armies. That's one thing monarchists and communists will agree on is a uh, fuck anarchist. But yeah, where, where was I getting with that? Yeah, I was getting into that. So all that territory seized, but uh, history lesson that everybody knows, Germany lost the First World War. So that treaty more or less became null and void. And in 1919, 1918, a several new states were made out of the land that was seized. A lot of it did go back to Russia, now the Soviet Union. But you have the creation of the Baltic states. And uh, Poland. And a few others I can't think of at the moment. But basically the Baltic states and Poland are the big ones that came out of those treaties. So Baltic states, again, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and obviously Poland, and then, uh, in Central Europe, Central Eastern Europe, Poland. And, but getting to the point, Putin basically called uh, Lenin and Trotsky idiots, morons, for signing that treaty and giving up uh, Russian territory, rightful Russian territory in his eyes. And the implication from that is the Baltic states and Poland as well don't have a right to exist in his eyes. And should he act on those implications? Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania are NATO members. So, yeah, you, you can see the progression there. I want to say it's not going to come to that because he's not that stupid, but I didn't think he was stupid enough to actually launch a full-scale invasion of Ukraine either, so fuck me, I guess. Oh yeah, they're this whole time apparently China's talking shit about Taiwan. Do I think they're gonna pick a make a fucking move on Taiwan? Uh, again, I'm gonna say no, and I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right on that. I mean, they, they said some shit today. 
I saw one quote. It was like, Taiwan, it's not like Ukraine. It's a part of China. Which, I mean, that's that's very similar. It's basically the same thing they've been saying for the last several weeks that they've been, been talking about it that I've heard about. So there's really nothing new there. So I'm not too worried about it as things are right now. Uh, yeah, so he, Putin basically thinks that these states don't have a right to exist. And so, I mean, people have talked about, oh, Putin wants to restore the Soviet Union. Uh, it, it, it's kind of going beyond that now. He's not looking to restore the Soviet Union. He's looking to restore the Russian Empire, which was bigger than the Soviet Union. Holding all the former Soviet states, including those in Central Asia. Uh, a good chunk of Eastern Europe. I mean, think, look at the map uh, before World War One. Europe was a lot simpler. It wasn't all these countries. Ukraine, Belarus, uh, the Baltic states. Most of Poland. Or at least half of Poland. Uh, I think, think Moldova as well. I'm not sure. I want to say Moldova. Uh, down the Caucasus, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. I mean, if you're claiming Russian Empire, all those territories are included. And we know in the last couple months that Russian troops have been sent to Kazakhstan to put it into protests there I haven't heard Jack about that in quite some time I'm assuming the situation is resolved unfortunately for the protesters it was pretty extreme but uh yeah So that's just a whole new level of potential fuckery that Russia's, well, I'm not going to say Russia, because Putin is unleashing on the world. And I've heard it said today from one of the sources that I've listened to is that there's a new era that's going to come out of this. Regardless of however it ends. Like a whole new geopolitical era. And it's going to be... I'm just going to say interesting to see exactly how all that ends up working out. Because Russia is now front and center as a challenger to... American hegemony, which I mean, my, my feelings on that it's like I don't, I don't think the United States should be fucking world police. I mean, 
anyone who says the United States is, is not an empire is fucking kidding themselves. I mean, the United States is a fucking empire. With troops all across all over the world, territory territorial claims all over the world. Interests all over the world that have to be protected. Yeah, the United States is a fucking empire. And it is, as of right now, still the dominant global empire. Not saying I want shit to go down like this. I, I definitely don't. A lot of innocent people have been hurt, been killed are being hurt and killed and will be and like I said a couple of times it's one giant shit show all the way around Yeah. So, like, it, this is definitely isn't a regular episode. This is not all of a sudden becoming a weekly podcast. I do eventually want to get to that point, but I don't really feel like I can. I can right now, uh, me or Dylan. So, but today was a moment to stay. Today is a day that. Probably will be remembered in history, and sh- it should be. Because a lot happened today. A lot happened, and a lot is still happening now. Now that in in Europe, at least, it's the twenty fifth. And we're not going to see the full, the complete fallout, the complete consequences of everything that's happening for several days, if not several weeks, and years to come. So, but things are going to happen now in the world. I'm not going to. I can speculate on what those things might be, but I don't know. I don't have enough information at this current time. I'm not doing this to try to scare anybody. I'm just... This is what I know based on what I've seen and what I've heard. And, I mean, I said in the introduction episode to this podcast, like, current events are not off the table. So these are very current events. And as a historian... As someone who was in the as uh, as a veteran with guys that I know still in, and I'm very much worried about their safety. Should this escalate beyond what it currently is, which I still think it's not going to. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think it definitely can get worse than what it is right now, and there's definitely that possibility. I really fucking hope it doesn't. 
uh, thankfully, I think a lot of people in the modern world, at the world as it is right now, don't have a stomach for war. And that's a good thing. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I, I know what war is when it's in your fucking face. I, the furthest I got, the closest I got to any kind of fucking war zone was I got to Kuwait in 2019. What was happening in Kuwait in 2019? Uh, there was nothing happening in Kuwait in 2019. ISIS was virtually done. Uh, some small enclaves in Syria. The, the most I saw going through the Persian Gulf around the Strait of Hormuz was uh, whenever we go through there. We went through there about six times during my deployment. Uh, the Iranian Navy, Navy, quote-unquote, was, was a bunch of small boats. I mean, well, armed boats, but small boats. They, they would come out and uh, basically give a show of force every time I went through there. And that was about as close as I got. Nothing flashy. Uh, I mean, if, if it doesn't mean anything, I'll say like, I was trained by guys who were Afghan vets, Iraq vets, multiple deployments, all of them, most of them. And they were... There were some very fucking bad fights, and they, when I was going through infantry train, they made sure to tell us, because they wanted us to understand what the stakes were that we were getting into, because we're just a bunch of dumb kids. All we knew is that we wanted to be Marines, and that we were there, we wanted to be infantry Marines, which means we wanted to fight, wanted to blow shit up, wanted to kill about understanding what any of that fucking means. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I 100% do. All, all I know is what I was told. And trying to... It, good thing about being older when I went in. I was 22 when I went in, not 18, 19, or 17 years old, like a lot of guys were. I just... I, 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 I tried to absorb that more. And I'm glad I didn't end up getting into some fucking shithole where I had to fight for my life or more than that, fight to protect my bo protect my boys or lose any of them. Last platoon sergeant I had, he had like three deployments, two to Iraq, one Afghanistan. He had some fucking war stories too, and I mean, plenty of funny ones. He was a funny guy. He was a good. He was a good. He was a good platoon. Well, yeah, he was a good platoon sergeant. You agree with him 100 percent of the time? Absolutely not. But he he did right by us, I think. At least he tried to. And uh, yeah. 
And honestly, just being real with yourself and thinking about it, it's like, it ain't a fucking, this ain't a fucking video game, you know? Like, I, I love video games, I love playing, like, fucking Battlefield, maybe Call of Duty, not a huge Call of Duty fan, but Battlefield, Call of Duty, all that shit, it's, it's fun, but that ain't nothing like the real thing. And even just going through infantry training, you figure that out real fucking quick. I mean, yeah, you got the guys in, that go through fucking training and they try to do like some fucking Call of Duty bullshit. Uh, usually get called out pretty quick for that. And uh, they don't have a very fun time after they get called out. But, yeah. That's the only thing I can say is like, I know what fucking artillery looks like. I know what that looks like when it's fucking coming at you. That'll make your asshole pucker real quick. And that's been the Russian MO before they ever go into somewhere, they sh shell the shit out of it. Like I said, rockets, missiles are already. Anything they got, they're fucking throwing it at it. You do not want to be on the receiving end. I think I'm going to try to start wrapping it up. Just go because I got a long day tomorrow. It was, it was a long day today. Got a long day tomorrow. I'm going to try to stay as up to date on shit as I can. Uh, still hoping another week to put the uh, actual episode out. Like I said, it's just an impromptu thing because it, it was a big day. Not in a good way. It was a big day. And there's going to be a whole new series of events that are going to be coming down the pipeline. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of world comes out of this. Because yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's on the way, and today is here. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not editing this one, so if you've made it through this far and uh, enjoyed it or found it any kind of uh, useful in any way, uh, more power to you. Thank you. Uh, apologize for any kind of shit sound quality or whatever. If you hear like buzzing going on in the background, it's because my fucking laptop's old. And it's like an old man trying to run. That's what it sounds like sometimes. Kind of like me when I try to run nowadays. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, that's been quick episode of Socrates on the Mountain current events. The hot 
war between Russia and Ukraine. All right. Stay safe. Stay informed. There's a lot of information running around out there. Unfortunately, a lot of it is fake, so check your sources. Don't just jump on the first thing you come across. All right, and like it, like it says in every part of war, I'm not that religious, but pray for peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. All right. See you on the other side. Bye.